Hey up everyone, welcome to episode 16 of Yorkshire Gamers Elite Big War Games podcast. And this week is a continuation of episode 15. And if you remember last week or last episode, I was talking to Sean Clark from God's Own Scale and Alex Sutheran from Storm of Steel. And we managed to spend the best part of two hours doing what would normally be the first part of the show. So, this second half, in inverted commas, um, is uh, episode 16, and we're going to cover the, the bits that we would normally do in parts 2, 3, and 4. So, we've got the uh, the big game chat, which we've had a little bit in episode 15. Um, we've got probably the most chaotic and funny uh, Yorkshire Gamer quiz ever, um, with some pretty spectacular scores from the guys, so it's well worth tuning in and listening to that if uh, you enjoy the, the quiz. Um, something very different this week. Uh, and then at the end, um, we did some uh, questions from um, the Ask Arnora um, War Games Problem page. And um, I didn't manage to get through everyone. Uh, a lot of people sent questions in, and as we'd already been going for about three hours at that point, um, I decided to uh, just pick through some of the questions and, and not do all of them. So if your question wasn't on uh, and you put it to us via Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, then I do apologise. It was just one of those things, one of those crazy episodes that just kept going and going and going. In between the release of the last episode and this one, um, I managed to get to the Partisan Wargame show, which is something personally I've been trying to get to for years and never quite made it due to work commitments but I managed to make it this time uh, what a fantastic show it, it was lots of people have commented on Twitter and, and Facebook etc and all over the internet what a great show it was great to get back, great to see lots and lots of people and to make contact and physically meet some people that um, I've never met and then some people that have uh, been on this show. Um, so I bumped into Chris Breeze. Uh, Chris was doing a, a TV thing for Knots TV, who he works for, and that's available on the YouTube um, on Chris's channel, Winston underscore AB Reese. And I think it's got about 7,000 views. A really, really good um summary of the show interviews with lots of people who were there um so yeah chris from episode one was on met up with richard harris some legendary war games uh, from episode two uh, he was there uh, nick skinner had a chat with him and also um the other half of the two fat lardies uh, mr richard clark um <laughs> embarrassed me a little bit during the uh, course of his game and introduced me as a um famous war gamer I think he said to the crowd who were there who all looked completely bemused. Um, but at least I had my Yorkshire Gamer t-shirt on for the first time and it was nice to have that out. So thanks for embarrassing us, Rich, but uh, it was lovely to have a chat with you later on in the day. Uh, Melbury Robbie Roddis as well from uh, episode 14. Lovely to meet up with him and have a chinwag. Um, AD Deacon, I met up with him for the first time and chatted with loads and loads of people. And I miss guys as well. I miss two guys, two of the regular Yorkshire Gamer guys. They were there for a couple of hours and I completely missed them. Um, so, 
there you go but it was a great show and um, I'm hoping to be at well I will be at Fiasco in uh, a couple of weeks time 31st of October um, putting an Italian Wars game on uh, on behalf of uh, Leeds War Games Club um, I'll have my blue Yorkshire Gamer t-shirt on so um, bop over and have a chat and um, It'll be lovely to speak to you and uh, lovely to have a catch up with uh, a few other people as well. I know Chris Breeze is putting a game on and I think uh, Richard will be as well. So get to see them again. So settle back, get this and a cup of tea and uh, settle in for Brews in the Binyard Part 2. Including the new feature, the War Games Room 101. Have you got anything from your wargaming hobby that you'd like to chuck on the back of a trailer and take down tip on a Saturday afternoon and just get rid of it? Well, my guests today are the first two people who have that opportunity. So listen out for the new feature, Wargames Room 101. So, without further ado, here's interview. So we've got, we've gone massively over in terms of time, obviously. Um, so, and we have we, we have we have talked quite a bit um, uh, about big games, um, but for 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 two people who maybe aren't known for big games um, as much as myself, um, what what would a big game? What does it mean to you, Sean? Where, where, what's what's a big game for you? Um. <laughs> Listen, I, I've admired the big games that we've talked about earlier on, and uh, your twelve by six. Ta- so our club traditionally had twelve by six tables with uh, Napoleonics from flank to flank on it in twenty eight mil over beautiful scenery or Americas of War. Th- those are what I would. Tr- if if you say big game to me, that's what comes to my mind. Mm. What I do, I don't consider big gaming, albeit yeah. um, my six mil games. Uh, with the American Civil War in particular, talking about three thousand figures. Okay, yeah, you were talking months. about doing Antietam, weren't you? Which is, you know, I've walked the battlefield and I was bloody knackered when I got to the other side of it. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so um, fortunately, yeah, it's, it's a big one. It's a big one. For them. Uh, so the the collection I've got is based around the Antietam uh, order of battle, um, mm. and if you're fighting uh, a battle with say six core on the table mm. then that's a big game isn't it you know yeah. you, you're talking about okay it's at brigade level you, you're maneuvering brigade size bases but to play that game you need five or six players around the table uh, albeit it's only a six by four table in in six mil um and gettysburg similarly uh the, the big games and they're going to take all day or maybe two days to play um but I, I would never consider myself as a big big gamer, a, a big game gamer, if you like. Um, I, I admire them and I enjoy looking at them. And listen, if if I win the lottery tomorrow, then <laughs> I'll be getting every professional painter I can find uh, and, and putting and, in order. And some people will be retiring from the current jobs and painting for you as well. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, but I, you know, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be employing every professional figure painter I could think of, yeah. uh, and getting the largest American Civil War collection from Dixon Miniatures. 
that I, I could find because I've got a real soft spot for Dixon. and they were the first figures that I ever bought when I was uh, joined Stoke War Games Group. Uh, the guy down there ran uh, a, again a twelve by six table with hand sculpted terrain that he'd made, everything handmade on it: buildings, trees, roads, rivers, fences, uh, all Dixon miniatures that he'd painted. Uh, as the, and we're talking late eighties here, so the range was still being developed uh, by Trevor back then. Uh, as each new figure code came out, he'd buy another regiment of these and, and put these huge games on for us. So I've got a real soft spot for those, and that's what I would do. If mm. if, if if you're talking unlimited time, unlimited resources, then that's what I would go that way. Mm. But I've got a six by four table here at home. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be able to play Antietam in 28 mil on it uh, in any time soon. You know, not even. <laughs> I'm, really I'm looking. At, I'm looking at what's behind that wall, Sean. Behind you, is there a like an opportunity for a like a, one of them joists over the top? <laughs> <and> they... <laughs> I'd struggle. I know. I'd struggle. I'd tr- well, listen. If you can get that past my wife, <laughs> yeah, I'll buy you a beer when yeah. we meet up. <laughs> well, I'm I'm currently trying to get that wall knocked down. Into, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I will. I've done this before on the on the podcast, but I will give a, a shout out to Wargamers Partners um, yeah. because they must realise that we are all completely mad. Nuts, yeah. absolutely, hundred um, percent. And how they put up with this, I've got no idea. I, I've got an eleven-year-old daughter as well, who's uh, yeah. be- becoming very needy with space around the house. Yeah, uh, she's no longer content to uh, restrain herself just to her bedroom. So, uh, no, I'm very content with what I've got, and I enjoy the gaming that I do. But uh, yeah, the big gaming will always be the uh, War Games Holiday Center games uh, that you've talked about, the battleground games that you can see on YouTube with Peter Gilder and Duncan McFarlane or whoever it was uh, playing out those great games, and the games that we see at the shows. Yeah. Um, that that's big gaming to me, and and long may it continue because I, I love looking at it. Just going back to the the partners, Mrs. Riley always says um, that she knows if I'm playing toy soldiers, I'm safe, and I'm not being chased by any loose women down the pub. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that in Stoke, unfortunately. Can you not? He's <laughs> no. still in danger. It's still all right, <laughs> particularly where our club is. <laughs> ah, ah. Women of, El, women of ill repute. One or two. <laughs> so, Alex, what about yourself? What's your, what's your big game idea? To be honest, I'm, I'm uh, almost uh, exact mirror. Uh, well, exactly the same as Sean. There, uh, to me, you know, the big game is is as we've we already said with the, the stuff that I used to drool over at, at shows and still do, you know. Uh, but things that I know that I will probably never have the time or patience to put into to, to play or space to do the same. You know, I've got a six before table. It's not going to get much bigger than that. I don't think ever. Cause I just don't have the, t- the space for it. Uh, and the reason that I got into six mil was simply to be able to play, you know, game battles like Waterloo with a reasonable amount of figures. And I've done it with six, 6,000, six mil figures, which is nowhere near, you know, 6,000, 28 mil figures <laughs> and i'd love to do that but i know uh, I've, I've got i've got constraints so you know you're going to kind of tie it in with that really it's uh but yeah i do like i like the spectacle of the big game i like i like looking at them at the shows and uh in particular the napoleonic ones they just appeal to me so much more than than the rest of them to be honest because i like the napoleonic period and i think you know 
uh, as much as I do enjoy skirmish gaming, I would be more than happy to uh, to, to again to spend my lottery millions on on a massive table with with millions of twenty eight millimeter perfectly painted figures and and play games for week weeks at uh, at an end if I could, but I just well, you, I can't. So. You're only, you're only halfway. Half an hour away, Alex. So you're welcome to come up at any time. Mate. <laughs> Thank you very much. I will take you up on that offer for sure. Well, Roddy, Roddy appears to just invite himself anywhere, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> some of the some of the stories he was telling, and, it's like, and I just I rang up. Um, Charlie wasn't craft. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hate to think where he got like his guys' numbers from. I can guess, but I'm not going yeah, yeah. to stay live. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. stay live on air. <laughs> but, uh, no. I'm not live, but on air. <laughs> so, have I, have either of you had um, a, a big game experience either through going to a War Games Holiday Centre or through um, a club event or something like that? I've I've done it at the at the Stoke Club. We've mm. um, as I say, we we played just about every battle of the American Civil War several times. Uh, our joke was that our version of the American Civil War lasted three times as long as the real version of it because <laughs> we played nothing but American Civil War for many years. Uh, but also massive Napoleonic games. Um, generally, uh, and I know that. I don't know if this is heresy or not, but using computer moderated rules, which oh, we used to do that we on used a to do that. on a Spectrum 128K. Wow. Uh, that is of its time, isn't it? it? You don't really see that these days. No, that really was there was no. a time where that was a big thing, wasn't it? Yeah, computer generated rules. It's there's, always there's a... surprised me how that's ne- that never kicked on because we mm. we used to play. There was a, a set called Eagle Bearer, which were okay, mm. and then we had a set called Hard Pounding. Yeah, um, Dave. Woodward was it or something similar um, yeah. and that was absolutely brilliant and we played that to death for years on really huge tables um, um, but the, when it went to PC the program just never worked and and you'd pl- you'd play four or, yeah, four or five hours and then you'd press a button and the computer would just reset yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you can imagine running it on a on the the Spectrum one two eight K. I mean, God. Uh, if you just if somebody uh, walked on a floorboard and it creaked, yeah. the connection went, and that was it. You lost the whole thing. But uh, what do you do at that point? Just toss a coin for it. <laughs> well, I could tell you many things about what we did, but <laughs> there's, there's probably people listening who who might be uh, a bit upset. Um, but we, we had a set of rules by a company called Software Tactics. Uh, they were called Victoriana, and they, they were for any 19th century period. But we used those. Uh, they they cope with up to 40 units a side, um, and that was plenty for us on, on these tables. And they just worked for multiplayer games. Um, uh, they, How did they work? Because I'm aware of them, but I never played them. I mean, was it – I assume it just uh, – calculated casualties and things on the different units or was it also a movement thing as well yeah it was movement as well so um right. so you'd have a command with a gen so the, the i think you could have up to six generals aside so you'd be allocated general one say you'd input mm. uh, orders for the units under your command you could only ever input three orders uh and you might have six units that you commanded but right. you could set the program so they'd friction, or, or, yeah, friction. friction. So you'd already, you'd already, be, they'd already be moving or or, or uh, formed into line or something. Um, mm. 
uh, and then uh, the computer would tell you how far you moved. So famously, when I first started at the club, I was allocated the wa- ammunition wagons. And bear in mind, we we're on a 12 foot by six foot table. The wagon would move about five to 10 centimeters a turn. And we'd have about four turns a night. So there's me moving this this ammunition wagon at the most about, I don't know, 12 inches over the course of an evening. But I was I was I was happy as a dog in in whatever. Yeah. Uh, loved it, loved it. But yeah, the, and the shooting as well. Yeah, you'd, hey, you'd, hey, it's logistics that win wars. Exactly, remember that? It's not exactly, enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so you didn't put unit one shooting at unit two. The range is thirty centimeters, and then it'll tell you the casualties. And uh, right. they, they just worked. It, it was great. Um, they were very basic, but they gave us games that you know mm. entertained us for years. So. Yeah, I think the hard pounding system was very similar. Um, you mm. would allocate orders, um, and then you would press a button, and it would print out your movement for each yeah. unit. Okay, and then you would have like rash light cavalry generals who just completely ignore your orders and <laughs> yeah. fly on down the table, <laughs> um, and and then you know people would refuse to move and stuff like that. And it it, yeah. it, it was probably you know the the the, the the initial start of that the current friction thing where everything yeah. doesn't do as as and that's what we enjoyed about it because we we'd grown up with the everything does exactly what you want rules mm. uh, and this was was um, something different uh, yeah. Yeah. very enjoyable i think the problem what we tried to get we we spoke to the guys who wrote it and the the, the problem was <laughs> that one person would have to sit at the computer and put all the firing in so mm. we were trying to get it so that it was networked, so you could have three or four terminals where you could sit and put your firing in. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it never worked. And I, th- I think they turned to drink or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> Drinking loose women. Drinking loose women. <laughs> <laughs> they, got, they got caught. They turned left when they should have turned right at Bradford. And, uh, it's, uh, never been seen since. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Right, well, we'll, we'll uh, we did cover a lot of big stuff earlier on, and we've been going for quite a long time. So <laughs> I will, uh, I will, I will do a Henry clap. And, uh, <laughs> that, was a, that was a very uh, interesting clap. <laughs> that was a Mexican Revolution clap. Ah, right? yeah, I recognise it now. Yeah. <laughs> a little flourish at the end. Yeah, yeah. Emiliano I, Zapata. Is that Emiliano Zapata <laughs> was that other Mexican revolutionary guy. Well, I said the Zapata and Zapata. Sorry, Zapata. carry on, Ken. Can he play left back? Because he could get a game at Bradford on Saturday if, he's, if he turns up. <laughs> I'll give him a call. That's, how, that's way too exotic for Bradford City. That we had Benito. We had Benito Carboni once. <laughs> the, the lovely Benito. Uh, I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. Was that in your Premier League, League days? Uh, yeah. yeah. Long ago. <laughs> <laughs> when teams like Liverpool had come and. Yeah, anyway. Never yeah. So, <laughs> so the bit you've both been waiting for uh, the Yorkshire Gamer Quiz. <laughs> uh, this could go. Anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will. So, um, would you like would you like to go one at a time, or would you like to do the same question at the same time and discuss? Let's it? do it at the same time, I guess. What do yep. you think, Sean? Yeah, yeah, let's do it, mate. Yeah. Okay. 
So, that, um, uh, uh, I've, I've written the scores down on the wrong way around, but don't worry, don't worry, we'll get it right. Um, so- I'm also going to say as well, before you start here, Ken, I'm going to answer this in two ways. I'm going to answer it in my way, and I'm okay. going to answer it in your way as well. Oh. <laughs> because I've decided I want to try to get the best score that I can. Ever, okay. Yeah, ever. Right. And I don't think my way is going to get it. <laughs> So I'll do an Alex tick and an Alex brackets can on my on my on my computer. It's getting more complicated than a fucking Eurovision. This is. Just waiting for Azerbaijan to ring in. <laughs> right. Oh, the so, satellites are down. Question. Question one. Go big or go home. Go on, of course, you're on your first. Oh, all right, all right. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say go home, mate. Go so, home. Yeah. The first person in 15 episodes to say uh, go listen, home. Listen, uh, because we're a broad church, and <laughs> if you've only got 12 figures carrying a flag on the table, then yeah. more power to your elbow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say for me, yeah. go home. Yeah. Same as Sean. And for you, I'm going to say go big. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay, okay. I see the I'm, game he's playing. Yeah. <laughs> I can sense some bullying. <laughs> um, contrast paints, great or a gimmick? Okay, right. Do you want me to go first on this one, Sean? Yes, you go first. Okay, for me, I'm going to say. Hmm, that's a tough one. I'm going to say, I'm going to say they're a gimmick. I think, and because well, it's, it, the problem is you, you're not really giving. It's black or white, isn't it? You, arguably, I would say. They, Alex, they do Alex, you're do. from Yorkshire. There is only black and white. We don't. Have. <laughs> but you know that you, you go down to the pub nothing is, and you ask a question. Is, they just go yes or no. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I, I was at um, a job, Tour de France, um, and I was near this um, uh, little cafe in the middle of nowhere in the Dales. And I'm in there talking to the guy, having a chat, waiting for the cyclist to come. And these Americans bounce in. Hi there. We're from we're from Detroit or wherever. Um, and uh, got the Detroit accent. Isn't it? <laughs> Who knows? Um, I'll, I'll live in Pudsey. I've got no idea. Um, so he says, "Can I have can I have uh, three skinny lattes and a double espresso uh, and a chocolate mocha latte?" And, and this guy just just looked up from his Daily Mirror or whatever he went. We do tea. <laughs> coffee. <laughs> I, looked, looked I had to leave. I had to leave the shop. Uh, I was. I was. I was. I had a cardiac arrest. Laughing. Anyway, that old, he was at the Tour de France in Bradford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> yeah. Norm, normally, when you see somebody go past on a push bike, they've got somebody's handbag over the shoulder. Like it in the car. Yeah. <laughs> like Sixty of them go past really quickly. Oh, they must have done a bank. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the question. Uh, contrast paints great or a gimmick? Alex as Ken. 
so uh, as Ken, a gimmick, obviously, yeah, obviously, because it is black and white when it comes to you. <laughs> like I say, you know, this this is the problem. When it, uh, I think I don't really, I've got some contrast paints, but yeah. I've not really used them. They have their place. If you know, if somebody wants to use them to get into the hobby, fine, yeah. it's great. So I'm in that middle bit, you know yeah. what I mean? I, I don't like using them, but if somebody else wants to use them, I'm not going to say they're great, and I'm not going to say they should get out either. There's a question that comes up later on in the in the problem page that I may describe my painting philosophy later on. <laughs> um, so, uh, Sean, contrast paints, greater gimmick. Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely. <laughs> the the saviour of painting now let me tell you why let me tell you. i've been waiting to say this for 50 this is episodes. when he just cuts you off this is just edited out now nobody will hear this <laughs> Je ne comprends pas. hang on poland are coming in with some results uh, no honestly honestly um i don't think they're a gimmick at all, I, I think there. I do think they're only another tool in the paint box. Mm. I don't think they're the savior of uh, of the hobby. <laughs> but uh, I, I do. You just said that to raise his blood pressure, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> I want to see what reaction we get. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I think they're great. I, I, I do use them. Um, Army Painter, interestingly, are about to come out with their own version of it, uh, which I'm interested to see. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, that, look, they're a heavy wash, aren't they, uh, ultimately? Mm -hmm. If you paint over a black undercoat, you might as well throw it up the wall, to be honest. But mm -hmm. um, if, if you're willing to experiment a little bit, I've had some great results with it. Uh, I'm all about speed in my painting. Mm. I, I'm not interested in three high, black undercoat and three highlights and all this kind of game. Um, I've, mm -hmm. I've painted in that style, in that Dallymore style in the past, but... Uh, I'm all about speed, and they give me speed, and uh, yeah, I love them. No worries. Uh, I'll I'll talk about my thoughts later on. Um, uh, <laughs> I think we already know what they are. To be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> so um, next, we're only on question three. Let's take a Wins are a new. You wish you had never done this. Oh, I'd, I'd, uh, yeah, I'm having regrets. Um, <laughs> Time yet work. Yeah, we're nearly there. Uh, uh, paintbrushes, Windsor and Newton or Pro Art? Go on, Sean, your, your turn first. This on. one. I've got some here. Oh, here we go. This is, this is, neither, I'm going to say. Now, these oh, yeah. cost me two quid off uh, off Amazon, what they call Beast Beast Art. Beast Art, look, 12, 12, 12 brushes for two quid. <laughs> What are they? Are they rat, hair, rat hair or something like that? <laughs> Beast artist. Beast artist. He's still alive, man. It's the future. Well, Finest brushes you can get for two ninety nine. That's the, that's the most advertising they're going to get on yeah. this show. Um, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll, I'll, I'll give you half a point for being cheeky on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, as yourself. Um, well, I, I I I get relatively cheap ones, but I get the, one, the ones from the range, and I can't remember what they are. I don't think the Windsor and Newton. I don't <laughs> no, think they won't they're, be. What's that? <laughs> they're they're what's only the one step one? up from mine, mate. They pro, I think they yeah. probably are, to be honest. Uh, pro, pro art is the other. <laughs> pro art, yeah. I've never even heard of them until I started listening to your podcast. So, the basic, <laughs> much to my shame. Yeah, the based in Skipton, which is where I work. I've worked most of my life. And um, 
I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and blag a, a podcast visit there. Just Is this to, what you're just, trying just you to keep mentioning them just yeah. to to get them to send you some brushes? Alex, right, Alex, uh, Alex, can you see the the look of resignation in Ken's face? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's, I can see the life draining out of him as each question comes along. <laughs> what do you mean each question comes along? We're only having three. Right, so Alex, Alex is Alex is himself is a half point because you've come up with something. And then Ken again, obviously, he's going to be pro art, isn't it? Obviously, I mean, you, you've literally given me the answer. Yeah. There. <laughs> well played. I'm going Alex. for hundred percent. I'm going for hundred percent on this one. Yeah. To be fair, to be fair, the regional bias questions are so obvious it's untrue. <laughs> uh, and, and everything else, everything else is pretty obvious, I think, to what I. Um, <laughs> He says, sat here in the Bradford City top. Um, right. Um, 96 figures, an army or a unit of pike. It's an army, mate, isn't it, in fairness? It's... That's at least 10 units. <laughs> Alex? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's, that's two That's two armies in chain of command. <laughs> 40 figures aside, you know, that's all you need. Uh, and then obviously for Ken, it's a pipe block. It's a pipe block, excellent. That's what we <laughs> yeah. like to see. Make use of at least 12 flags out of that lot. I'm quite I'm quite disappointed that, that Sean went for them shit paintbrushes now because that means he's got he's got he's got a point on the table. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of tables, uh, six by four, is that a big game or a small game? <laughs> well, again, again, this is a, a tough question, isn't it? Uh, I'm nope. going to say... <laughs> <laughs> uh, to me, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a big game, again. Yep. But for you, it's a small game. Excellent. Sean? I can play Antietam. On six by four. I mean, how big do you want to go? Bigger. <laughs> um, oh, now this one could break it. This one could break it. Um, um, Points-based army or historical yeah. order of battle? I'm doing so well. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with historical order of battle, and I'm going to say that for both of us. Well done. Sure. Does, <laughs> no, you know what the answer is, Sean. <laughs> what does it pains me to say? <laughs> although, although all the Peter Pig games generally have got a points based around them, uh, I will have to go for historical or bats. They do. I think. I think square bashing is the only is one of the very few games that I actually use the point system in it. Uh, just because it's just the it balancing. Works. Yeah, it's a balancing yeah, mechanism. It does work. It? Yeah. Um, Without 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 additional comments, um, wet palette or all bit of MDF for mixing your paints. Tough one, this. It's a tough one, and, and uh, you've never you've never really given an opinion on on uh, wet palettes, have you, Ken? I don't think no, you mentioned I've never it. mentioned it at all. You never mentioned it no. uh, at all on Twitter, on on the podcast, on. Don't ever play any... po- play poker with him, Alex. For God's sake. <laughs> Uh, again i'm i'm gonna say for me yeah wet palettes are great yeah i'm gonna go with wet palette for you bit of mdf yeah sure 
I'm going to hold my wet palette up. <laughs> Sorry, not my wet palettes. <laughs> the palette that I used. Just some that... old plastic takeaway lid. Is that where it's, we... It's almost a bit of MDM. Yeah, yeah that, I'm going to give you a half yeah. of that. Yeah. Is, that. is that where we found the cure for COVID on there? <laughs> I think there's uh, many uh, SARS and <laughs> the plague. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, we're on to undercoating figures, black or white. This again is a black and white question. You go first, John. While right. I think about my answer. Right. See what his reaction is to this, because this one I can never really can't really get. This one I don't think we can. Uh, well, I'm going to go white because white because I, I do use a lot of washes and contrast paints are the savior of uh, wargaming. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was nearly sick then. Uh, <laughs> just catch it on your wet palate. Yeah. You? <laughs> it probably, probably have less bacteria on it, to be honest. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for me white, similarly because I've because I'm painting Napoleonic stuff in 15 mil. I want a nice bright undercoat that I can uh, slap agrax all over. And for uh, for you, Ken, I'm going to go black. Mm. Mm-hmm. See, I never know what the right answer is for that one. No, I've, I haven't. Mm. But I, I, I figure I figure Ken's probably old school enough to go with the uh, you know black undercoat, black lining I'm kind of painting. So thing. Sure. I could I could be wrong, but I, I, let's find out later on. Um, York, yeah, York, like... Yorkshire tea or dirty mucky coffee. Yorkshire tea. For me, listen, for me Alex. And, and again, Yorkshire tea. Answers in the question. The, the, listen, <laughs> when I grew up, the other side of the Pennines was the North Sea. Uh, <laughs> however, uh, wherever it comes from, that, that Yorkshire tea stuff is doesn't make half a bad brew, to be honest. Oh, good, lad. Mm, good, good man. Good good man. The stronger the better. You could join the club. Um, we, we find, we, we find, you don't get a Yorkshire passport. No, we can be, no. still be friends. <laughs> in, in the time that it could have taken us to get to base camp at Everest, we've reached uh, question ten. <laughs> um, and that one is that, that one is. is I think somebody's yeah. eaten the porters already, yeah. haven't they? <laughs> war game, war game units, tightly packed or socially distanced. Hmm. Uh. I'm a skirmish gamer at heart these days, so I'm going to go with socially distanced. For you, tightly packed. Sure. Socially distanced, mate, to be honest. I've got to make the most of the figures I've got. Mm-hmm. It's covered yeah, it the greatest you, land it area. It costs you more in MDF then, doesn't it, though? <laughs> MDF? I've <laughs> <laughs> got a cornflake you think I'm here, mate? Money? Do you base some some old wet pallets that have seen seen the day? That's right. Um, Two-hour club game or a weekend monster game? Two-hour club game for me, mate. All day, every day. I'm not saying I wouldn't wouldn't take part in a two-day club game. Absolutely would, but yeah, two-hour club game for me. Yeah, same same here. I uh, I reach a point where I've where I've where I nosedive and I you know I I'm, I'm tired from thinking. But again, I would I'd love to have a game a two day game. Uh, for you, Ken, I most likely a two day war game, isn't it? I've, I've got a very short attention span, uh, and bearing in mind we've been talking for nearly two hours, my contribution might tail off now. 
<laughs> right. Um, avocado. Are they just posh mushy peas? <laughs> Go on, Alex. Again, these these questions are just so so slanted. There's there's an obvious direction that all of these questions go in. Now, you see, the thing is here. I'm a Yorkshireman, but I hate mushy peas, so I'm going to go with avocado. <laughs> However, again, the way that the, the question is phrased, I know very well that you can think they are just posh mushy peas. Very good, Sean. There's nothing nicer than some smashed avocado on some rye bread with some chilli flakes sprinkled on top and a poached egg on the side. Now, the next question is one that we can universally agree on. Round dice, allowed or banned? Banned. You disappoint me. You do disappoint me, Ken. (laughs) Banned on both counts for those. Yeah, me and you, Ken. I've I've got one round dice, and it's never never been used in a game. Never again. Because it's ridiculous. As much as it pains me to say, Ken, (laughs) (laughs) there is no other dice than a six-sided dice. Excellent, excellent. (laughs) Round dice. (laughs) So now... That is the devil's work. Now that... now that Sean's gone, now that Sean's gone home rather than gone big, round dice is the only question that every single person has said. Get them out. Yeah. Mm. What on earth? Does anyone even know? use them anymore? Not here anymore. I'd, I'd literally, for, I'd forgotten about them until you mentioned them on the struggling. podcast they've, in the first place. Just it's still out. rolling. Yeah. <laughs> Six, four, three, two. Five. The person who had him here is is just finishing his physio at the moment. (laughs) He's on recuperative duties. (laughs) Have you seen those? Have you seen those six-sided dice that have got a dice within it? So it's a clear outer shell of a six-sided dice with the dice inside it. So if you want to roll two, can't roll two dice. Exactly. What's that all about? I've never heard of that. I forgot to ask this at the start. Are you south of Sheffield, Sean, or not? You, you kind of south of Sheffield. <laughs> I'm definitely west of Sheffield, yeah. and maybe a bit south. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe no, no, maybe that maybe that's the line of the fancy dice within a dice. That's where it's reached. It's not gone to Sheffield. Yeah, ours <laughs> yeah, up here are just carved out of pig knuckles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, I am dice in the dice. God. Dice in the you're all doing very well. Um, you're, going, you're down the chippy. Are you having had I'm assuming all? you're doing better. Uh, I'm doing really Kenya. well so far. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, down, the, down the chippy, are we having had a core cod? It's endangered, but I would go for cod every time. Uh, you're from Bradford, so I'm going to think you'll probably go for the cheaper ones, so you're probably going to go for haddock. John, do don't you have sea bass up where you are? What? Sea bass with a, a squirt, a, a little soupçon of lemon. Favorite. Yeah, but Chinese restaurant do sea bass. <laughs> bring it out on a table for you. Oh, big tray. That's my answer. Sea bass. Um, I, Is this I, how you thought this would go, Ken? Yeah. <laughs> I think you did. I think you did in fairness. Yeah, you're going to get, get at least a 10 minute podcast out of this footage. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, well, you, you started the Henry Hyde rumour, so you know, I'm, all, I'm all right. <laughs> 
15. Um, do you like a good set of table, uh, sorry, a good table and a set of rules, like a casualty table or something similar? I'm afraid I'm going to have to go negative on that. They negative. are the devil's work. Well, casualty tables. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like casualty tables. If I need For a slide me? rule and uh, a logarithms and all that game, I'm not interested, I'm afraid. Okay. I'm going to say, Ken, you, I think you do like casualty tables, Ken. Uh, very good. I think. Um, I think. Sean, put your fingers in your ears. Um, 20, 28 mil is king, yes or no? As a predominantly 15 mil gamer, I'm going to say <laughs> no. no on that one. Sean, as a 6 mil but, gamer, you're going to say... No, hang on. Whoa. No. <laughs> I think there's two answers to this. I oh. think there's two answers. I think there's the wider populace uh, view of what it is, which I yeah. think I'll probably give you the answer to, because I'm going to surprise you and say, yes, it is king. Ooh. Because people mm. are so biased against any other scale. I like his answer. I like his answer. I wish I wish I'd let him go first. So I could have said <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say what Sean said. Ma- magazines yeah. are full of 28 mils, so they are king. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't believe you think I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Alex, I can't even spell it. I don't know what it means, mate. I can't even spell it. <laughs> we, we've probably both had a course on it, mate. If you remember. Yeah. <laughs> Unconscious bias. No, I've no idea what he's one. talking about. I'm, I'm a civil servant. So I've had the same course. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, just Alex as Ken, we've got to, to answer. Twenty-eight mil is king. Of course, it is. Uh, you wouldn't even consider anything else. No, some, I know I you do. I've got some 15 mil. I've, in yeah, fact, yeah. I've got some really big... Push to the back. Yeah, I've got some really big 6 mil collections as well. Yeah, uh, see. Loads of... Yeah, about 7,000 ACW and a load of um, uh, Western Europe 1944. Wow. So, yeah. I've got, you see, see. Just keep them just keep well, in. Not just, not, just a, not just a one-trick pony. No. Yeah, I've got 15s, I've got 28s, I've got... Um, have I got 20s? Can't remember. Anyway, um, unpainted miniatures allowed on the table, yes or no? I'm going to say yes, because not everybody has time to paint. Very good. I'm going to say yes as well. Personally, I don't like it, and personally, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But as Sean says, you know, the thing is, if somebody's using unpainted miniatures to play a game, then crack on. You're playing a game. And what am I going to say? You're doing something. No. <laughs> Not on your Nelly. <laughs> coming, up, a coming, up, chance. coming up with the, the two easiest questions on the quiz. <laughs> Bradford City or Leeds United? Stoke City. Is it not Dirty Dirty Leeds United? You normally put that in, don't you? <laughs> Again, I, I have zero interest in football, so I'm going to say Leeds just to upset you. Okay. If I, and Bradford for yourself. <laughs> if, I'm not, if I'm not allowed to say the Mighty Potters, Stoke City, I'm going yeah. to go 1973 Leeds United. Oh, they're the dirtiest, dirtiest <laughs> of all. Billy Maybe. Bremner. They didn't play football. They, they they played like an old version of all in wrestling, and then occasionally a <laughs> occasionally a ball would come out. <laughs> usually, it's, usually with, usually still with a leg or a hand attached to it. Good Friday night punch up, to be honest, wasn't it? I've got I've got Alex with this one. Um, Yorkshire or the other place over the hill? Well, you know. 
<laughs> Yorkshire for both, of course. Yeah, of course. I'll, I'll, I can't even let the other place over there. Yeah, hills. exactly. That's it can't, it, can't pass my lips. Yeah, it shall not be mentioned on this podcast. No. I think I'll let Simon Hall get away with it because he's from Lancashire. But uh, oh, mm. shit it. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Edit that out. It's uh, to me, <laughs> it, it's a little bit like Mordor. Uh, <laughs> when, when I think about the place over the, because I, I did grow up thinking the North Sea was there, the the other side of the Pennines. However, it's more like Mordor, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, Here's my yeah. answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> White rose. No, sorry, red rose. I <laughs> got that wrong. Didn't <laughs> so is is that why all them people from over the hill come walking on the Pennine Way and and drop the wedding ring off at Whitby? <laughs> like like in Lord like in Lord of the like in Lord of the Rings when they walk to Mordor and, and drop the ring. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yes, um, is the answer. Yeah, um, jokes uh, jokes so, are available to be understood twenty days after. You know, uh, if we go back all the way back to the Wars of the Roses, yeah, it did say be losing concentration he at is, this point. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> he's not even, he's long day drinking. Work. He's, he's I'm not there. drinking that. Um, uh, if we go all the way back to the Wars of the Roses, yeah, and uh, uh, a little day in uh, was it 1485, uh, somewhere in the Midlands, Bosworth. Yeah, Bosworth, though, is it? Yeah. yeah. I think the right side won, didn't they? Downstairs. No, not really. <laughs> not really. Anyway, we'll I think you're completely wrong on that one, we'll, Sean. We'll brush over that. Um, and, uh... <laughs> Never be more insulted in my life. The, fi- the final question in what has been the longest Yorkshire game quiz ever. <laughs> Even 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 Henry hides asleep at this point. <laughs> Sorry, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> so GW are they the work of the devil yes or no nope they have done a <laughs> tremendous service to this hobby bringing in many future historical gamers for us to uh, take advantage of once they pass through that period <laughs> uh, where they play with the space pixies excellent I, I'm inclined to agree with Sean on this one I don't like Jenkins Workshop games I don't play them haven't played them for years apart from some of the older 80s ones but if they're getting people playing games and if those people then go on to do historical or even other uh, fantasy or whatever great fantastic for you Ken work of the devil excellent <laughs> can't wait to hear the score yeah it's gonna be great isn't it <laughs> Fingers crossed, I'm going to be the highest scorer ever. <laughs> Is it like you've sort of uh, invaded Ken's body and uh, <laughs> well, that's, stimulated that's, into his brain? I don't, I don't know if I want to think about that, to be uh, honest. Yeah. There's an image you want to, to, go to sleep with. <laughs> yeah. which, which one do you want to? I did want to sleep tonight. <laughs> which one do you want to? You two, you won't shut up. Which <laughs> Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's Ken's podcast, didn't it? Yeah, I forgot about that. I just thought we were chatting. <laughs> so, who wants, who wants the score first? Uh, go on, give uh, Alex his two versions. So, Alex as Alex, uh, mm-hmm. 47.5%. 47.5%. That is poor yeah. effort for a Yorkshire. How does that even work? <laughs> 
because you, you you ended up with half a point because you you didn't say um, Windsor and Newton or Pro Art, and you ended up with some guff in the middle. So you ended, oh, okay, you, fair you enough. ended up with a half. So that's that's my seven point five percent, is it? Yeah. Right. Well, it's two and a half percent, isn't it? So, uh, <laughs> I've got I've got a degree in engineering. I'm not thick, you know. Anyway, <laughs> um, I just don't know how this works. Alex is Ken. <laughs> these these are the mysteries of the Yorkshire Gamer quiz. Uh, it's a bit like that. Um, never mind the buzzcocks. They just make the scores up at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Alex is Ken. You nearly, nearly got a hundred percent. You got one question wrong. Ninety-five oh, percent. Uh, Get in. Question. Bang. Oh, I'd give away the answers then, wouldn't oh, I? Come on. <laughs> That's the best interview technique I've got, mate. I'm going to start banging on the table in a minute and shouting That's at right, me. Yeah. You did it. You did it. You did it. Um, it, was the, uh, it was the chippy question. Oh, of course. Oh. Of course. Of course. Because oh, I, 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 I'm a cod man. Yeah, I'm a cod man. Um, mm, when I, I just thought. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I was actually born in Cheshire, as I've mentioned before on other other podcasts and uh, interviews and stuff. And we had cod when I was growing up over there, and then I came to university in Leeds, and I've been here forever. Um, so yeah, cod, still like cod. Uh, and Sean, mm. well done, mate. Twenty five percent. I'm a bit disappointed. That I, could, I thought I could have gone lower. I could have gone lower, definitely. But I, I had to remain true to myself with some of those answers. Yeah, but when when you, when you think about it, um, the lowest so far has been sixty percent. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, that's six six zero. I've, yeah. I've, even me, a, a dying in a wool Yorkshireman, is lower than the, the yeah. lowest lowest score so far. Yeah. You've had some blokes uh, from Australia on. Yeah. Unbelievable! I think it was Nick. This, this, yeah. this is rigged. I think, I, think, I, think, I think it was Nick Skinner who got sixty percent, and was he's it? Mr. Skirmish. Wow, he is. Wow. So what can I say? I'm shocked. I'm shocked and horrified at that. To be honest, are you sure you're York from Yorkshire, Alex? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm going to start checking. I think yeah. check my credentials. Yeah, to be fair, to be fair to you, Alex, you got most of the Yorkshire questions right. Well, that's all right then. Yeah. So let's separate it into two quizzes: the wargaming quiz and the Yorkshire quiz. Yeah. And that... How did I do then? Oh, yeah. No, I don't have the brain capacity to it. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Ken is retiring from podcasting after this. <laughs> and that was the last Yorkshire podcast ever. As I say to the kids today, you've both done really well. Great. That was great. Well, we trashed that, Sean. Yeah, well done, mate. Well done. Oh, dear, oh no, that's a pleasure, uh, Ken. That was, it was, it was great but, to take part. But I want to know, where, where did you come? In the uh, in the top scores, Ken. Me, who's come up? Yeah, ninety uh, percent uh, was the best so far. So you, so, ni- I, me, me, Alex is me. Has won at the moment. Strange, strange world Brilliant. we've entered. Yeah, and and, <laughs> yeah. and the the guy who who got ninety percent 
um, Richard Harris, who runs Legendary War Games, which is a War Games holiday central up north, um, he supports Leeds United, so he was only ever going to get 95% um, <laughs> because he got one wrong. He was always going to yeah, get yeah. one wrong, and he got a second one wrong, so Ooh, he, 90%. Wow. And he's a Yorkshireman as well. So what can I say? What can I say? Do you remember Room 101? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on Sean's podcast, um, and I like to steal stuff every now and again, uh, Sean has this wonderful thing at the end where um, people um, deposit a book in, what, what do you call it, Sean, in your virtual library? or The God's Own Scale Virtual Library. God's Own Scale Virtual Library. So this is Yorkshire Gamers War Games tip. I'm gonna give. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give nothing like a Saturday afternoon going out to the war gamers tip. Yeah, I want you to. I want you to think about that thing from war gaming that you'd like to shove in that old, that old trailer and tow it down the tip and just get rid of it. Um, so very similar to the one. show. Very similar to the show. Um, you. Somebody's going to give us a, a suggestion, a little bit of a spiel about how we're going to try and convince me uh, and, the, and the other guest that we're going to banish it to room 101. Um, and uh, we'll see how we go on. So, uh, Sean, okay. you said you got one. So what's your um, what's your pet hate that you'd like to um, banish to room 101? Competition wargaming. Oh. oh, I wish I'd gone first. <laughs> oh, and and not just competition wargaming, <laughs> but competitive wargamers oh. who get upset if they roll a one or punch the air when they roll a six and say, in your face. Because... <laughs> <laughs> is, is this coming from personal experience? If you, I was going to uh, say, there's, a, there's trauma there's, here, there isn't is, there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to lie down for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I have over the years, over my what thirty-five plus years in the hobby, I have entered one or two war games competitions. I will admit yeah. to this, and every time I've done it, I've regretted it halfway through the first game uh, because it brings out the worst in me <laughs> as a person, as a war gamer. Um, uh, I become incredibly moody. <laughs> I become petulant. <laughs> I start to slam dice down on the table. Um, and I suspect it has this effect on the vast majority of people who do take part in competition wargaming yeah. and comp- any competitive wargaming where it's the winning at all costs, that whack, they call it whacking fantasy uh, competition gaming, winning, yeah. uh, win at all costs. Um, I just don't think there's any room for it. And if I never have to come across uh, a war games competition, I'll, I'll add one caveat. Back in the day when the Derby War Games show was at the assembly rooms in Derby, mm. they'd hold the World War Games Championships. Yes. And yeah. you get people from all over the world, in particular South Africa and Italy, mm. sending teams over to these competitions. And as a spectator sport, it's fantastic to see these people 
get irate and angry and shout and <laughs> throw dice. Uh, in, over, in different languages. In different languages. <laughs> yeah. And the Italians are quite passionate people, aren't they? And yeah. the South Af- you don't want to mess with the South African, do you? No. Um, they've, you know, they've been through a few things in that time. So uh, to fall out over a war games table with a, a, a passionate Italian or an angry South African, um, <laughs> it, it was great spectator sport. Uh, and I admire their passion and commitment to the game, but it's not for me. Back in the day, you'd be worried about playing Ireland, wouldn't you? If, you know, in the mid-70s. <laughs> you'd be checking under your car before you drove home. you just do this little click under the table. <laughs> right, was that a one you, that you're old there, lad? Like? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I can say those things with my last name, don't worry. Um, <laughs> it's Yeah, I, I think... Okay, it's got its place. People enjoy it, but it really isn't for me. And if um, I really think it brings out the worst in people when prizes are on the line. There was a, a tournament uh, a few years ago where there was actual money on offer uh, as a, mo- oh. a, a money prize in a game where movement is... What was it, a fiver? No, yeah, I think you're talking a couple of thousand pounds. Which, <laughs> really? Yeah, which... Well will bring out the worst in, in people, won't yeah, it? Yeah. In a game that's imprecise because you're measuring with a tape measure mm-hmm. and if you nudge the table a little bit, your figures move forward a little bit. Uh, quick rolling of dice and picking it up and saying, I've rolled a double six and the opponent saying, oh, I didn't <laughs> see that. YouTube mm-hmm. is full of uh, um, uh, examples of cheating within competitive wargaming. Uh, it's great to watch on YouTube, but you do not want to get involved in it. <laughs> it just brings out the worst in people. There's the people that use the, the the old trick, isn't there, for the Napoleonic limbers? Oh yes, I've mentioned uh, uh, this on the podcast before. Yeah, the you're setting your, that's it, setting the the cannons up about two inches further forward than they should be. And and that's all well and good if it's a Sunday afternoon game between mates and you can have a little laugh about it. Um, I've I've had experience in recent memory of somebody using loaded dice in a, in a just a wow. casual game that uh, mm. they kept in a in a little. You know these dice bags that are very much on trend at the moment for the mm. the uh, hip amongst the wargaming community. Uh, they will, uh, yeah, they will uh, pluck some dice out of this bag for one set of dice rolls, and then bring out a special dice for the uh, the certain dice roll where you need to roll low or high in a certain example. So see, I, I, just... I, I I have a similar thing, but none of none of them are loaded. I start I start with a set of black dice. And if they're not working properly, then I move to my orange dice, which are known local, which are known locally as the proddy dice. And then, if they don't work, I have a set of purple dice that are my royal dice. And if they don't work, the gold lame dice come out. <laughs> and if the, if I'm using the gold lame dice, you can't. They're that bad that you can't see. They've got gold spots on gold lame dice, so you can't tell what the gold is. Well, that's another thing. There's another thing. Those dice where you can't read the bloody numbers on it. Yeah, good grief. I can't put two things in the room, yeah. so, yeah. I'll, so yeah. I'll go with competition wargaming. Well, yeah, and, and it's my job as the host to try and defend it. 
but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> defend the indefensible. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's Alex, impossible. Alex, do you try and defend it at all, or are you, are you quite happy? Not at all. That was going to be my choice, actually. My, so <laughs> Sorry I've got to think that, of mate. something else, haven't I? So I no, not at all. Yeah, get it in the yeah. sea, as far as get I'm it, concerned. Oh, dear. Yes, it just saps all the fun out of gaming. Mm. Yeah. You know, the game, like I said earlier, it's, it's about the, arri- the, the, the journey, not the arrival. Yeah. You know, I don't care who wins. It's as long as the game has been good. I think I think um from my experience of the big game, and I've talked spoke about this quite a lot before, is the the, the social aspect of it and the mm-hmm. and the, the time with your mates having a laugh and a joke yeah. during the game. There's no yeah, time yeah. to be competitive and no, it doesn't matter. About stuff. We, you know, we uh, when I play with my mates, we allow them to take moves again if they've done something yeah. wrong. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Just yeah, shuffle it back the, a bit. The, the, yeah, the, you there can must be a, a consummate amount of piss taking involved if they do do it. And, oh, of course yeah. there is. Yeah, yeah. Is that, that's so people rarely do that's, it. People rarely do it. Yeah. But yes, it's like oh, oh, you only won because you moved them forward an inch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. I, I played. I think I played one DBA tournament when I was at the York War Games and hated it. Absolutely hated it because, again, there were arguments about how far forward something had moved. Mm. You know, we're talking like centimeters. Yeah. It does, it's like, I'm just thinking this doesn't matter, mm. yeah. lads. It's the 15 millimeter figures. Exactly. Move on. Exactly. So the first, <laughs> the first entry into the room 101 of wargaming. Sean has hacked up competitive wargaming onto his trailer and he's dropped it off down the tip on a Saturday afternoon and he's now going for a couple of pints to watch the footy. Cracking. Dead right. Dead right. Alex, now that Sean's stolen his thunder. He has, he has, absolutely. Uh, Well, I'm going to go with something very similar and I'm going to say points. I don't like points. Points. uh, Although... That said, I do use them uh, because I use them in uh, square bashing. I mentioned it before yeah. because it kind of fits it with the way that it's grid. It's a grid game, so it just kind of fits it to, to use points for that. Uh, but in any other game, I much prefer a historical order of battle or even just literally throwing whatever you want on the table and just saying, let's see how these do t- against each other. Uh, because points... Uh, they they just remind me too much of tournament gaming because you just you don't get balance in in real life, you know. In mm. uh, in battles, there's always always somebody is either always outnumbered, or you know somebody's always got better equipment than the other side, or any number of factors. So points to me are just to- totally strip realism out of out of the gaming mm. side of it. You, you, That's my take. You raise a good point anyway. there, Alex, and uh, in particular mentioning square bashing. Now, all the Peter Pig rules you can use to play historical games, but if you play what they call the pickup game, or it's just two mates mm. meeting down the club on a Friday night uh, and yeah, wanting yeah. to play a Peter Pig game, uh, they always, every single Peter Pig, every set of Peter Pig rules will set up an attack defense scenario. So, mm-hmm. albeit you both turn up with. I don't know, 400-point armies. Uh, yeah. Um, one of those armies will become the defender and have mm-hmm. and have their force depleted, won't they, and, and put in That's right, yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever, just so that there's a numerical advantage for the attacker. Uh, to Because otherwise, you would never attack, would you? It's I think, I don't know if it's Klauschwitz or whoever, says you need three-to-one uh, advantage to attack. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. An enemy, or else you would never do it. And, you know, historically... Uh, in a competition game, um, sorry, historically, 
you would never get two armies set up who are absolutely equal going and fight mm. each other because it would just be mutually assured destruction, yeah, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is the thing I think as well. Like you know, when you when you say right, okay, we're both going to have a thousand points. It kind of reminds me of the kind of games that I see a lot of of things like forty uh, k, for example, where you just basically have two armies lined up on either side of the table, and it's whoever rolls the most dice wins, or whoever has the most source in their uh, in their particular army is going to win. And it just reminds me too much of that. I like. I like things to be a bit more random. As I say, you know, most of my scenarios are based either on something relatively historical or just how long will this small unit last against this large unit kind of thing. And you know, some of the games I I play, like Sharp Practice, has a point system in it, which because I don't know the rules very well at this point, I'm still using because I I kind of I want you know I want to kind of have a bit of a balanced game. So they do have a place, but overall, I think you know adherence to let's all right I'll, I'll define it more adherence to points is my uh mm. is my bugbear people who just say right i'm only going to play uh, a game with this amount of points people who can't go beyond the the point system yeah in, in, interestingly say, alex right? and uh, i do keep my eye on a broad spectrum of the hobby over the weekend uh there's a, a I think it was the largest ever 40k tournament in London. It was called the London GT, London Grand Tournament. Uh, and it was streamed over YouTube or Twitch or one of those things. Where Can you imagine the smell? <laughs> well, 600, 640 k players. Wow. 600 players in one room. Playing I'm sorry, anybody who's, who's a 40k fan and likes my channel, please don't unsubscribe. Please. It's a joke. It is a joke. But in fairness, we all stink. All of us stink. In fairness, deodorants don't cost much, do they? Uh, but anyway, um, well, so, we're all going to end up with no followers after this. So, it was, uh, so you've got the largest, largest forty k event possibly in the world. Uh, I was, I'm, it's either in Europe or, or the world. I can't quite remember. Anyway, big prestigious event, six hundred gamers playing. Uh, it all comes down to the final game where you've got the top two players. Uh, on the Sunday afternoon, battling it out for this prestigious t- uh, tournament. It's streamed live uh, across YouTube and Twitch and what have you. Um, and uh, the first play- the player who goes first takes his turn um, and basically wipes everything off the table of his yeah. opponent's army. And he doesn't even get to roll the dice in the first <laughs> turn and the game's over. So there's point systems for you, how well they work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They call it ta- tabling, they call it, don't they? Tabling, yeah. That, tabling. Yeah, it was tabled. Uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah, it feels to me just a little bit like too much like power gaming. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just kind of create the best thing you can out of that available amount, and I just don't, I don't care about it. Yeah, I literally do not care. And, about and that's it. ultimately that win at all cost thing, isn't it? Where you're going to build, yes. maximize. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they call it min maxing, where they'll maximize yeah, a certain troop type and minimize the others, and yeah. basically you just annihilate the other because you're not interested in the other person having a good game. For me, no. gaming, if it's me and you across the table, there's a social contract where I've got a responsibility yeah, yeah. that you enjoy the game just as much mm. as me. Oh, yeah, but yeah, in, that, in that environment, well. it's totally out the window. Some some people spend ages, don't they, just maxing their lists out. They yeah. study percentages and... and Probability. Um, and, yeah. and it's just ridiculous. If, if you can find in a history book um, an account from somewhere that says... Um, and I remember I rolled up 
with Alexander to Darius's chariot, and Darius said, "Oh, you're a bit over the top with your companions there, Alex. It's a bit, it's a bit off, mate. Um, can you take a couple of them units off, uh, and I'll move. It's not I'll, yeah, and I'll <laughs> I'll remove some of my citizen spearmen, and then Alexander the Great goes, "Your citizen spearmen are shit, mate. The D class. <laughs> it doesn't happen, does it?" No, it doesn't happen. No, no, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I I like winning. You know, I do. Everybody likes winning the game. Yeah, yeah. But I also i i prefer, i I, prefer, I enjoy losing if I've lost well. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like if I've had a good game and I've lost it, it doesn't matter because I've still had that narrative of the game and I've had, like you said, the social contract of uh, playing against somebody. It it doesn't really matter either way. I'm not going to just play the game just to win because yeah. what's the point in that? I'll, I'll give you one very one very quick example where um, we hold we um, hold a a Weymouth War Games Weekender uh, at, at the end of November every year. It's coming up uh, in a few weeks. Uh, I was playing uh, a doubles game uh, of Peter Pig's Western rule set, and after the first turn, uh, I virtually got nothing left on the table. Uh, and my partner said, well, this is a bag of bollocks. I'm going. <laughs> and he got up and left in a real hump. And I was like, well, I'm quite enjoying this, actually. So Martin got on, sat down with me, said, come on, we'll, we'll carry on. And, yeah, we lost the game. But the story that the game actually told, where we ended up with very few figures right in the middle of the table, we've got Indians just swarming around us, shooting us <laughs> down to a man. Uh, but we, you know, we lasted for two or three turns or whatever it was. We had a good game over the course of about an hour and a half. Really enjoyed it, and th- that's to me typifies the example of I don't give a shit if I'm going to win or lose. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I want to have a good game, and uh, you know, I, I want to tell a story. You want to tell a story on the table, don't you? About yeah, that you can remember. Uh, exactly. I see. see I'd rather later. lose lose well and have a story to tell afterwards yeah. than just. Than just roll over somebody because I've I've made my army the most perfect that it will be, yeah. you know. Well, well, it's, where's the enjoyment in that? Really, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't I, think I've abided by the rules of the uh, room one hundred and one here, Ken. No, I think I think I think you've both come. You're up. helping. You're egging on, aren't yeah. you? You're not even. Yeah. You're not arguing against no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> well, so, there's certain things that you can't argue against, and yeah. mm. um, those two um, are probably. Um, I, I don't think I've. Ever, no, tell a lie. When um, I first started wargaming, we had this guy, um, Mad Alex. He was called, <laughs> not in any relation to yourself. Um, and he was he was a Scottish guy. And he, he just came along to the club, and we used to play Napoleonics with uh, Newbury rules, which oh, God, were uh, fast play. Yeah, eight hours for the first turn. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, and he just knew the rules inside out, and he and he, and he maneuvered every unit to the correct angle to get a certain factor. And within two turns, you know, as a as a twelve or thirteen year old, my first ever 15, 15 mil painted army. Proud just getting wiped of off the table, and it's like, yeah. oh, I don't particularly like mm. this. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, again, what's the point in that if you're wanting to encourage young players in? I mean, you know, just yeah. let them win. Yeah. yeah. God's sake. You know, yeah. they're 15, for Christ's yeah. sake. You know what I mean? Well, let, doesn't let, matter. At least let them have fun, because I, I'm sure, I think you yeah. two guys are the same in that you like a narrative game, you like a, mm. a story, you like, um, like the stuff that we do. We, we always play scenarios, and then at the end of the scenario, there's usually something funny that has happened that makes yeah. the game yeah and and because That's it's it. part of a story 
you know, the game that we played last week where the Italian commander turned up, went rushing towards to rally his troop, and then his tank broke down and set on fire. And he just he just walked, he just walks off the table, uh, and that and that just makes the game. That's, uh, that's war gaming. That's yeah, war gaming yeah, for me. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That is what so, war gaming so, is all about. So much more than anything else. So, um, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll do this. Uh, Wolffish uh, on Instagram has asked, "What's the best way to introduce historical gaming, preferably ancients, to sci-fi and fantasy games?" Nice easy <laughs> one. Dead silence. Dead silence. <laughs> I think. I think. I think personally, that's probably the easiest one to do to ancients, because you take away the dragons, you take away the magic. People are hit. People are hitting each other over the head with big sticks and swords and shields and armor. So. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's yeah, it's not a, it's not an amazing big step, and a lot of fantasy stuff is based already on ancient things, isn't yeah. it? Ancients and medievals, I would say, uh, especially Warhammer is is very much medieval, middle uh, middle ages kind of stuff, isn't it? So earlier stuff mm-hmm. than that, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's it's quite an easy step. Something like introduce them to something like I don't know. Um, Lion Rampant isn't yeah. I was going to say Lion Rampant, and because there isn't the fantasy version of that as well. Dragon, rampant. yeah, Dragon, dragon Rampant. rampant. Yeah, and yeah. then you've got that. Um, is it Kings of War? That's yeah. yeah I that's think that's one. that's not far off being a, a med because a lot of these um, human armies are either um, sort of medieval period or for the Warhammer um, one. I can't remember what it was called. The Fantasy Warhammer. It was, it was Fantasy Warhammer. There you go. Um, yeah, Fantasy Warhammer. The, um, yeah, they're, aren't they, really? yeah, they're effectively Italian yeah, ones yeah, yeah. at the mm. end of the day. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, yeah, he uh, did it, didn't he, with Warhammer Ancient Battles, where mm. yeah, um, yeah, it was the same system as the fantasy game, but just took out all the fantastical elements of it, and you yeah. left with an yeah, ancient right. war game. Yeah, um, and yeah. it did re- that did really well. I think there was a real resurgence in twenty eight mil. Yeah. Uh, ancients gaming back then and it's yeah. still around today there's still people at my club that play that game there's equivalents of it like clash of spears and war and something i can't quite remember but there's plenty of rule sets out there uh where people can pick up uh even infamy infamy from two fat lords mm. where you don't need a, a huge collection uh but it's about for me it's about getting if you're playing a game of that at the club get them to come over to your table yeah. And say, so just have a look at this, roll some yeah. dice. Mm. Particularly if they show a bit of interest, just get them to roll a few dice, let them move a few yeah, figures yeah. around, tell them what the, the the story of the game is, a little bit of the history, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. pretty convinced you get them hooked pretty yeah. quickly. Sarg, oh, Sarg, so. Saga's another one, isn't it? Because yeah. you did Saga Age yeah, Magic, yeah. didn't they? And, yeah, absolutely. As far as I'm aware, the, um, War of My Fantasy Battle was originally based on Rick Priestley's uh, War of the Roses rules oh, okay. they wrote uh, beforehand which are basically the same as far as I'm aware I could be slightly wrong on that no, I think the idea right. of those. Mm. Uh, so you're basically you, you, you're already got a historical war game mm. as the basis for that fantasy game anyway yeah. and yeah there's plenty of them that you could like like say Saga uh, Infamy Infamy anything mm. that you know that's that's a, 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 an easy in I guess yeah. so uh, Andrew McCauley from the Twitters um, has asked, what's the minimum amount of bad dice throws and or lucky opponent dice throws before you can literally uh, legitimately accuse the opponent of witchcraft and throw dice at them? Well, 
<laughs> once once you can excuse, can't you, as an accident yeah. or just yeah. luck. Twice yeah. you can say, well, that's a bit of a coincidence, but three times it's enemy action. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are we Yeah, I think that, I that's a quote up. directly yeah. from uh Ian Fleming's Goldfinger novel. Oh, oh. Where Goldfinger meets James Bond three times in the novel. And the third oh. time he knows something's afoot. Ah, that James good. Bond's onto him. So I think Three, we, can, three's the charm. we can translate that into this circumstance where you can legitimately call bullshit. And and are we are we looking at examining dice here or uh, yes, just, get a bowl yeah, of well, water. Yeah, yeah. Get a bowl of water. Oh, is this the dice see, test? Like, well, yeah. <laughs> is it like a witch? Yeah, see if it say flops. We're them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if it it's a new different stool. If it stinks, set fire to it's, it. It's quite, it's quite complicated, but <laughs> it's quite an involved process. But yeah. Yeah, <laughs> strap it to a, a stake and set fire we've to root, it. Yeah. We've got to root out this evil from the hobby. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to your witchcrafting wargaming special coming up, Sean. I'm, you're moving away from six mil into witchcraft. Brilliant. It's a logical step. <laughs> three, it is for some people. Three times. Three times. Um, uh, this one is from Titty Vilna, Villus. I hope I've got it's that right. <laughs> How do you balance trying to improve your painting? You know, Titi Villas, I think, is the is the uh, is the devil of uh, printers. Oh, well, educational. I found that the other day. I, well. the other, well. I only found out the other day. I'm sure is uh, all the uh, the marginalia and things. Uh, the, sounds like the typeset. Sounds yeah. like a well, carry on character yeah. to me, but yeah, <laughs> I was thinking that's definitely Barbara Windsor. That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, if you if you've lasted till two minutes, two hours and fifty five, you've learned something. Um, how do you balance trying to improve your painting skills with avoiding painting to perfection and not finishing anything at all? How can you try to get better at painting while actually finishing anything and getting it on the table? Well, this is something that a lot of people struggle with, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I personally. I, I abide by, I live by the three-foot rule. If it looks all right from three foot, mm. it's fine. Because once it's on the table, you're not going to see all those details unless you, you're really close in. If I'm painting something for my display cabinet, I'll take a lot longer over it. Uh, like I do a lot of modeling as well. So I'll make those, I'll, I'll go a little bit beyond with the details and things on those. Wargaming figures, especially 15 mil. Uh, block color, Agrax Earthshade, paint the highlights in the base color on the table. Done. Mm. It's that simple. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, and it'll look all right. You could, you know, you could go mad and, and paint eyeballs and things like that on 50 mils if you want. But what's the point? Nobody's going to see it. Mm. My, my motto is my motto has always been: I paint to play, not display. And I think mm -hmm. in that you've got to, you've got to. Uh, satisfy yourself on what standard you want to get to. Do you want? Mm. Are you painting to play the games, or mm -hmm. uh, are you wanting to take your painting to that next stage where you could display it in a cabinet or put it in a, into a painting competition? So for me, it's about painting volume of figures. I I paint exactly mm. like you do, Alex. I don't do any, but I stop at the after the wash step. I don't do any highlighting mm. after that, and I'm more than happy with the figures that I paint. 
Um, and I, you know, I would I would happily put them on a table against anybody and have a have a decent game. But I uh, th- I've come to that after years and years and years of pain and anguish, thinking, are my <laughs> figures good enough? Do they stand up to the War Games Illustrated uh, standard of Kevin Dallimore or whoever the hot painter of the day is? Um, yeah. And I've tried that three colours uh, foundry system over black undercoat. I've tried just, you know, you name it, I've tried it, as I'm sure we all have. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you experiment with a style uh, until you find one that you're happy with. Um, and I, I, I think it first hit me when Army Painter did the dip, uh, the dip paints, and they've got oh, yes. that, yeah, that yeah. sort of two stage of doing a base coat and a little bit of detailing and then dipping or painting the dip on. Um, I don't use that anymore, but washies is essentially the same technique, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's same shade thing, isn't or it? whichever is your wash of choice. And I realized that I was getting stuck painting figures to a, a far higher standard than I needed and was never getting to play a game. Whereas as soon as the, my eyes were open to this technique, uh, I was able to get a, a game on the table in a month. So, you know, I could paint an army in a day if I, mm-hmm. if I set aside enough. To, if I had eight hours, I could probably paint 250 mil figures in that time yeah. and have enough yeah. uh, to play a game the next day. So um, developing your painting, if you want to push it, then obviously there's all the YouTube videos and all the techniques out there in the world, whether you use contrast paints, whether you use the foundry system. But you've just got to find that. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. You've just got to. <laughs> you've got to find that level that you're happy. It's like a reflex, isn't it? <laughs> you've got to find that level you're happy with, and don't forget that you can you can just put a base coat on a figure and play with that. Those figures, uh, they don't have to be finished to that absolute high standard before you can play with them. You can play with them and then add little bits in, go back to those. I mean, mm. I say that, but I never do. I never go back to a figure. But you've just got to find that, that level that you're happy with. I know, you, Ken, you're a, a pretty decent painter, aren't you? And I, I don't know how you knock out the, the amount of figures that <laughs> no, you do. No, I don't. You, I you think, yeah, it is great. Uh, I, think, I think Alex said something very, very important and something that I um, always kind of pre, you know, say to people when they ask me for, for painting tips because a lot of people come to me and say how do you paint that many figures at that standard uh, and you, you've, you've got to decide at the start of what are you going to do um, in terms of the detail and what are you going to use them for and and Alex you go for that three foot rule and, and you've mm-hmm. decided with that decision there how you're going to paint those figures a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. that I do I'm going for a six inch rules with a times 10 magnification on some of the photographs that I do. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at an entirely different style. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm lucky in that I was blessed with a bit of natural ability. My, my mother was an artist, so I'm, I'm lucky, lucky with that. Um, but if you look at my stuff, um, it's, it's, it's rough around the edges. What I go for is a look. Um, and just because I, I don't know whether I've got an artistic eye or whatever it is they call it, but I know where that dab of paint needs to go so that when yeah, you yeah. look back at it, you go, oh, yeah, that's I can see the highlight of the nose and the bridge of the, the cheeks and the forehead from really close, and it, the paint goes in the right place. Um, but I always tell people to learn to paint in batches. 
because mm-hmm. a lot of that was something yeah, I was going to say yeah. as well. Yeah, a lot of people come now into the hobby from a Warhammer 40k background or a fantasy background, where you're having individual figures, you know, and you pay your thirty quid for your Templar chaplain or whatever it is and you're going to spend and you watch these videos and this is a lot of the problem for me you watch some of the professional painter videos and they just spend two hours on one figure um Mm -hmm. and and if you're going for a golden demon award because i kind of sit in the middle um i'm not going for the the best possible paint job i can manage to win prizes I'm going for the best-looking mm-hmm. figures that I can do in a reasonable amount of time to play big games. I, I think one of the things as well, you mentioned it there, the Golden Demon winner, mm-hmm. is don't ever look at somebody else's stuff and go, I can't paint that, because there's always going to yeah. be somebody who can paint better oh, than you, God, yeah. no matter yeah. what. You know what I mean? No matter how good you are. And if you're, trying, if you're always trying to achieve what somebody else has done, you'll never do anything because you'll just give up because you'll not be able to. There'll always be somebody who's better than you. We mentioned him earlier, Joe the Wargamer. Mm. I mean, you know, we were joking about chucking our terrain in the bin, but his stuff is amazing, but it doesn't stop me. You know, I, I look at his and I'm very jealous of the stuff that he does, but I, it doesn't stop me painting my slapdash things, you know, as well. And I, and I think you're right as well, that came with, with painting in batches. Just do stuff. I do stuff in, in blocks. So I might do 20 figures at once mm. because it's a manageable amount. Uh, instead of like looking at, you know, maybe even 100 figures, just break it down into manageable amounts mm. that you can deal with in an evening and concentrate on one colour as well at a time. You know, it's just different techniques, isn't it, really? And, I think I, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk now about my wet palette. Uh, hatred and um, <laughs> and uh, I, I do I do agree with a lot of the things that you said earlier on in the quiz in that for, for, for different people in different circumstances they can be a good aid to painting but what what we're tending to do now what we tend to do and what most people tend to do wrong is and I'm going to swear people fuck about painting and they they set up the wet palette and they do this little bit of water and then they get some medium and then they mix a little bit of paint in (laughs) and then they've been told to thin the paint so they do 14 layers of paint on a figure Uh, and then they come to me and they go, Ken, how do you paint so quickly? I don't... (laughs) I don't fuck about. (laughs) Ken School of Painting, don't fuck about. (laughs) It's true, though, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? People people are are trying all these new techniques and and trying different things when they haven't started with the basics of painting. And then you, you get that, and then you might go, oh... That backpack there, if I painted that white and used contrast paint on that part of the figure, um, it would work a lot better. And, and another thing that really annoys me as well is that some people will paint a fantastic figure and then cover it all in wash. And all that, de- <laughs> all that detail they've done just gets gone. Yeah, that, That's what I do. <laughs> but, but yeah, you're right. I mean, um, I, I think there's a lot of YouTube channels that are painting channels mm. that are like that, where they're t- you know they're talking about doing all these washes and and various layers and things. Uh, one of the best ones is uh, Sonic Sledgehammer, yeah, yeah which I'm yeah, sure you guys know yeah, from yeah. Uh, Troy, yeah. uh, because he produces fantastically painted figures in in no time at all. Yeah, and you know his te- techniques are very easy to use. 
and I've used a lot of them as well. Like in, even I've been painting for, you know, 30 odd years uh, and I'm still learning stuff even from his videos. So there are people out there, but there's, there are also a lot of people who, who do amazingly well-painted golden demon winner kind of things. And for somebody who's just coming into the hobby, that's really, I don't know, it's off-putting, isn't it? It's almost, you know, again, it's like that, you know, you're trying to strive for that perfection. Well, you don't really need to because at the end of the day, they're just gaming pieces. Yeah, I'll give it, I mean, give a shout out to another YouTube channel called Midwinter Miniatures. Now, they he paints oh, yeah. almost exclusively Games Workshop uh, figures. However, the techniques are just as applicable to any any historical mm. figure. And he paints in a in a speed technique. He uses a limited palette of colors, um, and just in it's a bit like what you've just said there, Ken, about knowing where to put the paint on yeah. the figure to get the yeah, best yeah. outcome from from that effort the effort that you're putting into painting an arm where where do you put it and uh, and to get a highlight effect so um there's, there's a lot to be said for it. you've but I, I i stay by my comment that you've just got to find the level that you're personally happy with and forget about what's in war games illustrated mm. or um, yeah, on, yeah, on, on the, the internet yeah, very much, very much so. And a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people do come to me with questions about painting and stuff, and I'm more than mm. happy to help them, and have done on a number of occasions. But like you say, you've got to decide yourself: what am I going to do, and how am I going to use these figures? And yeah. if you, if you turns out that you can't pump out ninety six figure pipe blocks in a in a couple of weeks, we're, or an army. Or an army. <laughs> It's one, one, one unit, died to six figures. <laughs> <laughs> two armies, though. Then, then, then you have to decide on, on different ways. Two armies plus support, that. <laughs> tightly packed. Tightly packed. <laughs> um, uh, so I'll just, I'll just pick uh, uh, a couple more out. And um, in fact, there's three that I'll pick out. And um, Friends of General Haig. Uh, I think we all know from Twitter. Uh, you might, in fact, yeah. you might have seen one of these earlier on. Um, he's he's been having a lot of fun with teddy bear fur recently, <laughs> and um, now he now he's out of prison. Um, he's asking, <laughs> are there any are there any household materials that you should get more use as terrain? Uh, coffee stirrers is a good one. Uh, I don't know if they're really household. Uh, materials, but you can certainly get them dead cheap, or you can just steal them from McDonald's. I was going to say, you can swap them from McDonald's, can't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, cocktail sticks. Yeah, you can use things like that for planking or for uh, you know for for wooden beams, that kind of stuff. So if you're building houses, the both of those are easily workable and uh, are abundant in uh, for the, for their price. Oh, they're, they're my tips. I'm just, I'm just uh, looking on my tape and um, uh, brush, um, yard brush um, hairs, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. For, yeah, yeah, for tufts and tufts things. And stuff yeah. like that's a good one. Um, we used to make um, tam- fancy <laughs> tufts. Yard brush. Yard, yard brush. Cut it up. What was it? Pan. Pan scrubbers used to be the thing for hedges back in the day. I don't yeah, know whether that's, didn't they, yeah. that's still that's still a doer or not. No, I remember there was a, an article in one of the miniature miniature war games, uh, one of those, uh, how to make um, pan scrub hedges, and everyone mm. went away and did some six mil pan scrub hedges and fantastic. Stuff. I've also used as well uh, for for fields. Uh, 
I just use those um, coconut hair mats. Uh, mats mm. Yeah. For, uh, well, you shoe mat, you know, for the for the door. If you get those dead cheap, I think the last ones I got were about five pounds each, and they're massive. Just cut them into into yeah. shapes. There you go. You got fields. Because I have to, I have to say, I'm not a fan of the teddy bear for for look. Um, I know, so I know some people because it, it looks too long for me. I know some people like get hair clippers, don't they, and give it a number four all over. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it can look good if it's done yeah. well. But it, it, if it's uh, not done well. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it can look like teddy bear. Yeah, things. exactly. Yeah. Some, sometimes it looks like you're gaming on an Irish wolfhound that's asleep. <laughs> uh, I'll just throw in. I'll just throw in very quickly vinyl floor tiles, the uh, self adhesive yeah. uh, vinyl floor tiles. Yeah, they're great. yeah, they're good. It, it, I find it especially useful for basing bits of terrain or a bit of scattered yeah, terrain yeah. going uh, around the table. Uh, very cheap, very easy. Cut it up with scissors. Um, bish bash bosh. Superb. Um, a second one from Friends of General. I'm, I've decided now I'm going to cut this in half and do two episodes. Um, uh, <laughs> so, second one from General Haig. Uh, dear Nora, um, uh, if you were stranded on a desert island with access to only one war gaming period, which would you choose and why? I hate this question. <laughs> Yeah. Italian wars, there you go, I'm easy. <laughs> Italian wars. Yeah, but you can only fit one pipe block in your bag. <laughs> it's not much of a game. Oh, no, actually, you could turn that into 10 units, couldn't you, with 10 flags, so you'd be all right. Yeah, yeah quite I've easy. Got, I've, got, I've, got, I've got enough weapons. Two armies. Yeah, I, I, can, I can spear fish with those pike. Ah, I can catch them. Yeah. Yeah. I can dig them pits like they do in Vietnam. And have, yeah, punji, punji yeah, steaks. Punji steaks. <laughs> Love yeah. it. I'm. I'm. Come round. Come round to my cave. I've got some food. Uh, um, I would go. I would go. Probably controversially, twenty-eight mil Wild West skirmish because you don't Ooh. need much of it. Yeah. About to, you know twelve figures and a couple of buildings and you. Yeah, you're away. but your reasoning for skirmish games before was not having any room. You've got a desert island. That's and true. We just me maybe Sudan. Yeah, there's, there's no limit. Just, there's no limit. Just, just me and Alex. What gets washed up? I'm not having you bring in some skirmish rubbish God. if I'm coming around every other day. <laughs> I, I, in that case, I'll go Sudan because there's plenty of sand. All right, go on. Then. I'll let you off with that. <laughs> I would, I, I would just go Second World War because that's my main war gaming period. Obviously, desert. Yeah, don't be so desert. Yeah, yeah. I've got some. I've got some of them. We, we, we'll be all right with that. Yeah. We'll right. I'll, I'll bring me. I'll bring the early war desert stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll be sorted. Um, does anyone take any precautions while filing metal or plastic, as in when prepping figures for for painting? I did have a question. I'll, I'll do the. I'll do the funny question. Isn't it? Um, do you take any safety precautions when filing metal or plastic, as in when prepping figures for painting? Prepping figures no, for painting? I'm... I don't understand that concept. <laughs> Buy the figure, paint the figure. Yeah. Do you not? Do you not like shave the bit the bits off it? <laughs> no, the oh. sculptor's hopefully done that. <laughs> I, yeah. Sometimes they haven't, sure. Oh, right, right. You might want to check your figures. Oh, right, They've probably got yeah. big lumps of metal all over them. That's why I wear glasses when I paint. <laughs> Buy the figure. You know what we're talking about? Fi- fi- find your level of painting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You found my level. I think, I think you've found it. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, straight out of the box. This <laughs> is stand up yeah, straight. I don't, but then um, I'm notorious for having um, absolutely zero risk assessment. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm one of these people who will see a situation and I just go and deal with it. And then after about two or three minutes, I start thinking, Fucking, it's a bit dangerous, this, isn't it? <laughs> 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 you're up that step ladder leaning off yeah. the edge. Of <laughs> so, oh, he'll, 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 be, he'll be fine. That stuff leaking out of that tanker over there, he'll be fine. He's not wrong with it. Oh, oh my, shoes are my shoes are steaming. I've got a story about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. Alex. But I'm... Um, I'm, I'm the same as you, really, Ken. I, I, I have very few health and safety implications going on. Yeah. I, I spray indoors, which you probably heard me coughing all the way through this, which is, I'm sure is a shadow on my lung from, uh, from varnish spray varnish going. Is in the there. spraying in, uh, spraying indoors to compete with the cat? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> trying to block one smell out. <laughs> uh, so no, I don't take any precautions. I'm, I'm a veteran war gamer. I've got scars all over my hands, <laughs> in my feet, yeah. in my thighs, where I've dropped Stanley blades. <laughs> I know. I think at this point we probably should say, you know, if you are spraying indoors, do wear a mask yeah. or yeah. go out. Not advisable. Not advisable. <laughs> yeah, not advisable at all. Do you know when I said stop mucking about when you're doing your painting? Get on with it. Uh, uh, final question. Final question before we wrap up. Um, and this is from the good old legendary noise machine with a Z. Uh, I think he's in Canada. Um, he's on the Twitters. Uh, and this is kind of one for all of us um, in that it kind of encompasses all the different scales. Is there a single unifying mathematical formula? That Sean's gone to sleep. Um, that can factor in <laughs> figure scale so size, figure ratio, and battle size to determine if you're playing a big battle. E.g., Waterloo at six mil, one to two, or at twenty-eight mil, one to thirty. Do you think figure scales change with your scales? There you go. That's because this is. Something... I can see Sean's face yeah. is 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 doing the same as my brain. Let me let, let, let me tell you really what, work out what tell, the hell is yeah, going on. Let me tell you what my problem <laughs> my problem is. One of my war gaming problems, and this illustrates this point. If I do a, a unit in twenty eight mil, um, let's say a thirty figure infantry unit, that will cover a certain space. And it's got 30 figures in it. If I do that in 6 mil, I will use exactly the same space, but fill it with more figures. Well, that comes back to what I was talking about earlier on, Ken, where you've got this, the irony that is in the modern 6 mil gaming world, where people don't increase the size of the unit. They use the 60 by 30 uh, basing standard almost that's developed. Yeah. And they've got, still got twenty-four figures on it, like you would in a twenty-four figure, mm. um, uh, twenty-eight mil unit. Now I know Peter <laughs> has done uh, huge units of English Civil War uh, pike and shot units with six hundred figures in it, and that mm. looks great, covering the same footprint that a twenty-eight mil unit would. Um, but I think if you look, if you go to the Joe Six and, and have a walk around uh, all the games there, the vast majority of games will be, have figures based on 60 by 30 uh, mil bases with mm. 24 to 36 figures on it. So they don't yeah. particularly take the advantage of the small scale covering mm. a larger footprint. So just out of personal interest then, because I've never gamed in that sort of style, 
do people no longer represent different unit formations then? Because what you used to would do with five bases, you could have one behind the other as a column, side by side as a line, put them in a square. And if you've only got one base for a unit, I can't, I, I can't see how you do that. Or is it just not part of the rules anymore? So uh, a lot of the rules uh, have come out in recent years, and I think probably started with volume Bainet um, mm. back in the day. Uh, you're talking about what they term grand tactical games. Right. Okay. So you are the army commander, um, or you know the the top C and C, and you're not particularly bothered. You're leaving the decision of what formation that yeah. brigade out on the left flank, three miles away. Uh, you're leaving the decision to the brigade commander or the unit commander to put them. So you're relying on them to make that decision. You're as the army commander, you're not making that decision. Right. And the, the game will represent you as the as General Lee at Gettysburg, and you're not worried about what the Texan Brigade down on your right flank are mm. doing because you would assume that their command would get them into the right formation at the right time. So, yes, you lose a little, and you'll find this with Bluka, won't you, Alex, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the same thing, it's isn't it? Same thing. Yeah, because the, the, my Bluka are, are based up as uh, brigades, and I do them on basically on playing card size mm. bases. So I I go against all the, the normal 6 mil what is it? Thirty by sixty yeah, yeah. bases, and I did, and I do that because Blucher is is abstract. You know, you're, you're dealing with a brigade, and like you say, you, as an army commander, you don't care what a particular battalion in that brigade is doing because they're supposed to be doing what they're trained to do. You know, and that's that's pl- part of the game itself. You know, at that level, you're just moving moving things about, aren't you? Really. And it's probably and they, we've, they we've probably got this question at the wrong time of of, of the night because this you mm. you both you both talking about stuff that's completely alien to me. Um, <laughs> um, we could talk. I, I suspect I I personally, and I'm sure Alex could. I could talk about this for quite some time because it's yeah. about an ethos of how yeah, you game. I, I I come to the I come from it from com- the completely opposite way. You're the ground the, up by the sound of it. Yeah, I go ground up because um, mm. if I appreciate what you're saying, but then what then makes the difference between an American Civil War and a Napoleonic War game? Because at the end, if you think if you think back to things like Waterloo, it's some private going, Sarge, do you think we should shut that gate at Hugomont that saves the day? It's not the grand tactical action. It, it's some it's some oik from Grimsby or whatever saying, Sarge, Sarge, shut that <laughs> bloody gate. There's loads of Frenchmen coming. Or it's the person who decides to form square at the right moment. And and that's the the disconnect. I've not played these games, so I'm not I'm not dissing them in it. I just don't To me that's it. that's where that's where sharp practice comes in. Mm. Because that is a skirmish Napoleonic game mm. where you do have those things happening, where you do have the private saying, "Go and shut that gate." Yeah. You know, uh, whereas with Blucher, you uh, say, for example, Hugemon is is just a urban area mm. that's th- three inches square or whatever, mm. and you have a unit that is garrison in it, and you think, you know, you're you're basically allowing that unit to garrison mm. that that area the best they see fit without you having to interfere with it, as Wellington yeah. didn't. He didn't come down to, to Hugamon and say, you stand there, you look out of that window, yeah. why aren't you putting loopholes through there? Because, you know, he's he's expecting that those blokes in that that place are doing that. Mm. Yeah, 
you could arguably play Blucher as an American Civil War game. Mm. I think it'd probably work pretty much for maybe 100 years either side of it, possibly a bit less so for the 18th century stuff. Uh, but yeah, definitely 19th century Blucher would probably work definitely until until uh, breech-loading mm. rifles come in. And the only thing that would make it different would be really the uniforms and the flags that the units have got. Volume Bayonet um, essentially does that because it probably covers about a two hundred year span. Volume Bayonet does, mm. and it, it's a, it's a even more abstracted game, I think, than Blucher. Blucher is specifically Napoleonic in, it, in its focus, but as Alex said, you could you could stretch it. But uh, Volume Bayonet goes from uh, Malburian uh, Spanish succession right up to Franco-Prussian War, mm. and there will be period specific amendments and modifiers and, and differences in how that game's played. But ultimately, um, I think when for Grand Tactical games, you have to make the decision of what is that game going to represent or what are you as the general going to represent. Mm. And it's that helicopter view almost. So if you imagine yeah. hovering at 100 foot in a helicopter, you're looking at a sharp mm. practice game. If you're at 1,000 foot, you've got a much wider view of the battlefield, mm. but you're not you're not in control of what's going on on your flanks, only what's directly in front of you. Once, once mm. you know, in, in an ancient game, once you've set, sent your lines forward, you've got very little control over what's going on, have you, really? Yeah. And I, I think there's maybe um, some, well, there's a lot of influence in the way that I have done games in the past, whereas you're, you're, well, you're in your games. You're Wellington, and you're looking out in the distance. Whereas in, in I've, I'm on, I might be on a massive table with thousands of figures, but there might be ten of us on each side. Yeah. So I'm not Wellington. I'm yeah, I'm yeah. the brigade or divisional commander holding Hugemont, and I yeah. need to. I'm the one who's going getting square. Shut now, that you door. Idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Shut the door. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I can see. But again, that's a different scale, isn't it? I mean, again, you you you're reducing the scale. Whereas, like we say, Blucher is. Each individual base is is a brigade in itself. Yeah. So, you know, you you're not interested. The only I think the only thing really in Blucher is is a prepared brigade brigade mm. where you basically just you put down a marker just to say that they they've they're prepared and that, that could be anything that from forming square to you know even arguably digging themselves into better position or whatever you know they uh, but you, it doesn't matter what exactly what they're doing and what formation they're in. Mm. They're just doing what they're supposed to be doing, yeah. and you're not concerned with it, Brilliant. as long as they do. You know, as long as the brigade commander is doing it, and in your game, you're that brigade commander that's making them going to square or yeah. whatever. And, and our our brigades aren't on one piece of MDF. yes, exactly. Yeah, our you're brigades dealing with, are, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. several yeah. units yeah. rather yeah. than just one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. No, interesting. It was quite an interesting question at the end there. Mm. I didn't quite didn't mm. realize where that, where that would go, but it went somewhere good. I'm not, I'm not sure <laughs> if we've answered it, but it was an interesting. Yeah. Question. <laughs> uh, we've answered something. Yeah. We answered something. <laughs> um, apologies to all those people who, who did send questions in and we didn't get around to them. We've we've had a, an absolute marathon tonight, um, but it, <laughs> I've I've enjoyed every minute of it. I've had a right laugh all the way through. So um, thank you very much. Just before we go, um, you have a chance to ask me a question if you have one. I'll let you go first, Alex. <laughs> you jumped that one. Well, no, no, you jumped it, 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 it is traditional at the end of the each of the podcast. <laughs> I, I've, I've He's never got that far before. He gets, <laughs> he, gets, he gets to the quiz. He gets to the quiz and stops. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's, here's a here's a question yeah, for you. Question. You 
<laughs> it might be the same one as me. Sure. <laughs> would you? Would you? Uh, would you play a skirmish game? Yes, I would. What's the small? What's the what's the smallest you'd go um, for have a you, game? Have you not seen my Sweeney game? Oh yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's you. It, it's um, it has to be for me when I close my eyes and I think about Napoleonics. I think about huge battlefields. I think about going to the cinema and watching Waterloo and seeing those thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of men. It, um, maybe if I'd watched Sharp first. I would have, have, have been into that, but it, it doesn't. I don't see that when I watch the Sweeney. That's what I see. You know, five or six guys, loud of geezers doing a blag, um, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. So, yes, I do occasionally play skirmish games, um, but a lot of the time, um, because of where I am and having a big table permanently set up, that affects how you game. Because I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, need true. to pack up at the end of the day, and you know we we have a, a regular group of people who come in not every week. You know some some people might come one week and then not the next, and somebody else will come in their place. Um, and the game's set up here, and if we sit down and talk about, we've got a lad called Ian, and he talks about trains all the time. Works for British Rail and just goes <laughs> constantly on about trains. Um, so, so if you lose all your dice throwing them at Ian, then you, you know it, there's, there's no time limit. So it, 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 your circumstances very much affect how how you game, don't they? Um, so, Absolutely. so yes, I, I I would skirmish game and I do occasionally skirmish game, but the circumstances of how I game i.e. big table, at home, no time limits, mean that it, I don't very do it very often. That's a reasonable answer. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll let him go on we'll that one, on. yeah. We'll on that one. <laughs> uh, so mine is... Make, make a note of it. Mine is more of a philosophical question, ooh, Cap. Ooh, uh, ooh. So one, one to put your thinking cap on. Ooh. So I think that between the three of us, we cover sort of the main three Yes. Or we're known for the main three areas, uh, sorry, scales of gaming Mm. um, and styles of game. This is going to get me in trouble, isn't it? No. I I can feel that bloke coming back and haunting me. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Um, But, uh, and at various points, I think all three have been uh, in favour within the hobby and some have fallen out of favour. We've had... um, uh, if you think back to the history of War Games Illustrated, where we had Dark East Africa and then mm. pirates and these themes within the hobby <clears throat> that people have seemed to follow, what do you think is going to be the next, or what would you predict to be the next big theme or scale or period that will be uh, igniting the hobby and taking it forward for the next four or five years? John cheeky answer. <laughs> yeah, go on. You're a Yorkshireman after all. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be it's gonna be 28 mil Italian wars. <laughs> do you know? Do you know? Do you know why? Get up off the floor. Sorry. Go on. Yeah, because there's a there's a really good book coming out um, very soon through Helion, um, and written by. Uh, oh yeah, it's me, Iroh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're single-handedly going to save the hobby yeah. of your Italian wars. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be nine six-figure pipe blocks everywhere in every scale imaginable. 
the, you're going to be able to go to your corner shop and you, and say, can I have a 96-figure pipe block? And they're not going to look at you funny. <laughs> they're going to go, which Swiss cantons would you like them? <laughs> That's what they're going to say. And what, what scale would you like it in? Because Bacchus <laughs> have promised a 6 mil Italian Wars range very soon. Well, only, only if there's an 8-inch howitzer with it. <laughs> to shoot them out of. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear this 96 pike block, I wonder why you don't just round it up to 100. Yeah, what, what's that all about? What's, what's the eight ball? figures per base. Uh, hang on. 8, mm. 16, 24. Mm-hmm. Why don't you make it 10 figures per base? Because they won't fit on. It's hard enough to fit eight figures on. Get a bigger base. Make your bases bigger. Uh, and the, the, the rule, well, no, it's too, it's too, it's too bloody late for that because I've got a thousand figures based up. <laughs> rebase? What's wrong with you? Rebase? Never or? rebase. Never rebase. <laughs> Never go back. Never go back. Never go back. Never go back. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, they were for... Uh, for my own personal choices, put in the, the rules that we use are only six figures per base, but I think they look shite, so I put eight figures. Is that Furioso? Yes. Yeah, yeah using that. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the, well, you know, if 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 eight look better, then ten's going to look even yeah, better. If, isn't it? But unfortunately, eight is right close, which is how a pipe block should be. <laughs> um, yeah, really close up against each other. So that eight figures, eight figures <laughs> of base it is, I'm afraid. Um, so that, that's my, uh, I'm trying to think what's bubbling under at the moment. Um, it certainly won't be Italian Wars of Independence, I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> um, Wars of the Roses has had a massive re- Boot, hasn't it? Um, it certainly has. Um, with um, from nowhere, that does, doesn't it? As well, yeah, yeah, it was kind of. I mean, it was kind of bubbling under for a while. And a guy who's been on my podcast a couple of times, Chris Breeze, yeah, um, did the World War of the Roses thing. Um, and then Mm. I think the big thing for it was that never mind the bill hooks that came free, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and everyone's got a set of the rules, and suddenly it's all over the place. Um, so yeah. I think I, th- that was the last big thing. What's going to be the next thing? I don't know. I don't mm. know. Whatever comes in plastic, I think. Yeah. They've, well, <laughs> they, 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 there's about three companies releasing World War Two Italians in plastic, isn't there? Oh, is there? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, about six years after I bought them all in metal. So it's obviously just waiting for you. Yeah, exactly. Right, he's bought them now. Everyone release. Yeah, I've had that. That happened with English Civil War. I, I've got like a thousand twenty-eight mil metal figures, and then finished them. Brilliant. Put them all on a table. Did the troops on parade next day? Warlord Games. Right, Ken's put them out on the table. Here's our plastic <laughs> English Civil War. He can book himself in for a hernia operation the next yeah. week. Yeah, exactly. Well, there we go. What can I say? Well, it's been an absolute joy, guys. It really has. Thank you very much for for coming on. Uh, just before we, we we go, Alex, what's your channel and how can you be followed on social media? Uh, it's Storm of Steel Wargaming on YouTube. Just search for that, Storm of Steel Wargaming. You'll find it. Uh, and also, I'm Storm of Steel Alex Storm of Steel Wargaming on Twitter as well. Follow me on there. I've also got the Facebook page for Storm of Steel, but that's a lot smaller than the the, the Twitter. I'm less active on that and on Instagram as well. Brilliant. Uh, Sean, where where can you be found? Yeah, so God's Own Scale podcast uh, on uh, 38 episodes out now. Uh, find me on any of your, whatever your usual podcast app is. Uh, and then at 
God's Own Scale on Twitter. So Brilliant. straightforward. Thank you very much, good guys. Say good night to everyone. Thank you and good night. Thanks, Solomon. Thanks yeah, a lot. It's been a pleasure, mate. I haven't laughed so much since uh, this morning. <laughs> Thanks. So, no, <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much. Good night, everyone. <laughs>